breath in your body, there is hope. Welcome to Think Hope Podcast. I'm your hopeologist, Dr. Rosalind Tompkins, and I am here to facilitate your journey of hope. And I hope (laughs) that your journey is going very well because we are on a roll. We are moving forward with this message of hope. As a matter of fact, I hear the hope the track we are on a roll and we are about we are getting ready to hit the the hope campaign trail once again and many people say well what is a hope campaign well just like if you think about a political campaign is whenever someone is running for political office and then they go out on the campaign trail and they share their their messages they share their agenda and the things that they like to see happen and, and what they're working towards. Well, that's what we're doing, all in the name of hope, because whether you know it or not, our America and the whole uh, entire world is, you know, globally, I would say, uh, but America in particular is experiencing a hope crisis, and we continue to see that as we see the, the numbers, the suicide rate, uh, has has risen by 25% over the past decade and uh, so many other indicators of, of the fact that we need hope. Last week we were talking about the immigration crisis and we've been talking about from time to time, we've been talking about the, uh, the opioid crisis that's going on and, and just so many different indicators, social indicators that point to the fact that we need hope, that many people are giving up, they are despairing, and once they get into that place of despair, sometimes I tell you, it is so hard to come out from that, and, uh, and, and that's what our message is about, that's what our campaign is about, and one of the things, I heard a quote, uh, I was reading a quote just the other day that I wanted to share tonight, because I thought it was that it was it was really right on target and that is simply this compare means despair and we know that to despair is to lose all hope and we even had a show talking about how to move from despair to hope but compare when you compare yourself it means despair and uh and that was from Janet Jackson she she shared that in, in, a, in an article that she did, an interview that she did in Essence Magazine, and it just really stood out. And as I was reading the article, she was talking about uh, her bouts with depression over the course of her lifetime. And, and, and it was really a positive article. It was hopeful because she was talking about how whenever uh, she had a relationship, when she developed her relationship with God, uh, then things began to turn around in her life. But she was always seeing herself as less than, as, as not, not, uh, not good enough, too, too big, and, 
you know, and all these things. And you think about it from the Jackson five and Janet Jackson, who was on uh, uh, the, the show that we used to love to, to watch the, uh, the sitcom good times and uh, just such a smiling, happy, look like young lady, but she was really going through some things and she suffered, but, uh, but she realized that despair, when you compare yourself it, it, it means despair. That means that you don't have hope because anytime you compare yourself, you're going to come up wanting. And the Bible says that, that it's not wise even to do that. But we have a wise woman with us today that I'm so excited about. And I'm talking about one of our uh, citizens of hope extraordinaire, I would say. And that is none other than Dr. Brenda Jarman, who is with us tonight. And she's going to share and uh, we're going, you know, if anybody's out there listening, I guarantee you, if in, you're in that place of despair, it's going to turn around tonight and you're going to find some hope because we're going to talk about the importance of hope when overcoming domestic violence and other social ills and some of the indicators that I, that I uh, mentioned. So I'm going to play a clip uh, from Dr. BJ uh, from her mouth. To your ear, and then we're going to bring her on and uh, and hear from her live. Sometimes people are not able to see what God has poured into you, but when you follow Him, He opens every door. No door, and He and the ones that He closes. Yes, from GED to PhD, none other than my dear friend, Dr. PJ Jarman. How are you? Hello, Dr. Roslyn, Hopeologist. I am doing just fine. That clip just moved me. <laughs> you know, I don't listen to memory. myself too often, but uh, hey, that was all right. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, because I'm, I'm telling you, and it was such, it's such, so profound, so profound what you what you said there. That's why I wanted to capture that piece, and uh, and then end with that, uh, moving on from the GED to PhD. Uh, on yes. the mustard seed face. So how is face, that? Yes. How is your book project coming? It's coming. It's uh, I sent it to my editor at uh, the I University Division of Penguin. Um, oh, I think it was about March or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. so I'm waiting to hear back. And so, well, I've talked. They've changed editors, and so now I'm with another one. But that's okay. But we have an anticipated release date sometime in 29 so oh right all right yeah i'm looking forward to 29 and god delivering that message uh from gd to phd on mustard seed faith though i sent two titles i've massaged the title a little bit the other one is uh mustard seed faith led me from gd to phd so we'll just see which one the lord puts forth but i want your audience to understand if you might take a minute and just what GED and PhD mean to me if you were to visually write GED vertically as an acronym, draw maybe a two-inch line like a little bridge, 
and then write Ph.D. vertically connected to the bridge. GED means God's eternal devotion, and on the bridge I have keeps me, and Ph.D. means praising him daily. Praise God. I love that. I really, I yes. love that. And So, so you when you open 20, up the book, uh-huh. when you open up the book, you know, on the left-hand side, ISBN number and all those kinds of things, on the right-hand side will be this, 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 this graphic that tells what GED and PhD mean to me because it's all a blessing from God. And that, that, that hope in me mm-hmm. came from God who delivered me from being a high school dropout pregnant parent and teen with two children by the time I was 15 years old. Yes, yes. That is, that is a powerful, you have such a powerful uh, story of hope. And uh, hopefully one day, I'll be able to capture that and uh, and put it out as a part of our signature speeches that we that we are doing uh, in honor of hope and also helping people to see that no matter what the circumstances may be, you can move from that place of despair to hope. Now you said that's going to be out in 2019. We believe so. I'm pray- prayerfully, yes, prayerfully. <laughs> I'm going to make okay. that happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. God deal, is going to make that happen. You know, everything happens in His time. So prayerfully, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. I believe it. I believe it, and I and yes, we'll be too. on the uh, we'll be on that book tour uh, trail together because I am I am working on my uh, my latest book, and it's entitled "As Long as There's Breath in Your Body, There Is Still Hope," and it kind of picks up where my first one left off. Because it's Wonderful. been 14 years. Yeah, it's been 14 years since. Has it uh, been 14 years? Book. Yes. Wow. Yes. And it's been so oh, much. Oh, wonderful. Yes. So many things have, have taken place. So, of course, you're in there because we, our journeys have, have crossed on many occasions uh, as we have been, uh, been out, here, out here a while spreading this yes, message. Yes, we have. Open. Yes, we have. As a matter of fact, your message, reading your book, as long as there is is breath, you know, as long as you have breath, you have hope. That was a very, very moving. I've I've read that book more than once, and I want to thank you for continuing that journey. And because you've been such a inspiration and motivator and empowering and inspiring, so so inspiring to me over the years. And to I'm I'm just proud that God linked us together for his good. Yes. yes, yes. I am I am in agreement 100%. I think yes. about how you the latest uh time that we were actually able to to tour together was in South Africa, Durban, South yes. Africa and yes. a couple of years ago in 2016 whenever we yes. took our hope tour there and yes. uh and it's and I always think about your your powerful testimony and uh and you know we since since we've been sharing on this on this hope campaign we've been looking at so many different social indicators and as you are uh your doctorate in social work and and you are a social worker and a researcher and, and extraordinaire and uh Thanks. retired from Florida A&M University as a tenor yes. uh uh associate professor and former department yes. chair of social work and and all of the great things that you you really care about people and it and it shows 
and uh, and I believe that 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 it comes from so many different places. You you were raised well by your mom and your dad, yes. but you've gone through some things. And one of the indicators that that we haven't really really looked at is that whole uh, that whole issue of domestic violence. I want to just share yes. something, and then if you would just share a little bit of something that you have gone through when you were in despair. Yes, I will. Dr. BJ, does that bring mm. back memories? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Oh, tears to my eyes. Um, yes. As a as a young teenager, uh, you know, I grew up in a, well, as a young person, I grew up in a very uh, well served condition. I had great parents, great grand. I had great grandparents. I had my great-grandmother in my life. I was brought up in the church. But when I was 13 years old, I met um, a guy who was about 20 or 21 years old. And everything my parents taught me went out the window. I ran around. I snuck out. I lied. I, 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 when my father and mother heard I was running around with this older guy, I lied my way through, snuck out windows. I I think this is why I identify with teenagers so well, because I can mm-hmm. stand there and tell them, you know, hey, look, I've done all this before. The only yeah. thing I didn't do from, from 13 to 15 was drugs and prostitution. <laughs> but um, my dad was certainly disappointed. I was a straight-A student. I was a ninth-grade student, and Mr. Looked So Good, I thought, you know, came along. And my definition of a man back then was very, 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 very... <laughs> Very small, you know, very narrow, mm-hmm. good-looking, had a car, bought me things, you know. And, uh, and and I knew deep down that he was far too old for me to be involved with. But did I listen? No. And I, when after my son was born, uh, my parents never put me out. They allowed me to stay at the house. But then I instantly became pregnant again. It's only 11 months difference between my son and daughter. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I stood up to my father one day and when he was demanding that I, you know, just stop this madness. And I looked at him mm-hmm. and told him he didn't understand. He loves me. My father mm-hmm. put his head on, hand on my forehead and said, Lord, I don't know who this is standing in front of me, but I know my child's in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. rose, he let me walk out the door and go and live with my son and daughter's father. That's when I found out what I was really dealing with. The domestic violence started. It started out with verbal abuse or a smack here every now and then, um, mm-hmm. constant put-downs. I had no friends. And, and and what abusers tend to do is isolate you from everybody. I was isolated yeah. maybe seven or eight miles from where my family lived. And... Um, we had many battles, many fights. I had no money. I, I didn't have a job. I'm pregnant again. And the culmination of that relationship happened when I was about seven months pregnant with my daughter, and their dad uh, came home and was uh, yelling at me about someone had told him that I'd had guys in the house and, you know, I needed to stop this foolishness. And also that 
he wanted to think about getting married because I think he was thinking about going into military or something like that. And and I said no. And the next thing I know, my glasses went that way. My my nose, <laughs> I mm. just felt a, sort of crack in it, and blood yes. was flying everywhere. And and then when I I picked my son up off the couch, and then when I reached for the door, mm-hmm. he just pushed me out the door, literally grabbed me from behind and just threw me down three steps. When my face hit the ground, I called on the Lord. And I tried to go back in the house, but he wouldn't let me back in. So here I am, 15 years old, one on hip, seven months pregnant, and cannot get back in the small mobile home that we were living in. So I started walking down the road and back then in the six, this was in 60, uh, 66, early 67. Mm-hmm. And I, I, as I started walking down the road, I realized that no one would pick me up because I was going to the phone booth to call my father. I couldn't get back in the house to even get my purse to get a quarter <laughs> to, to use mm-hmm. the telephone. But I called him collect, and my dad said, stay right where you are, I'll come and get you. He did. Make a long story short, he wouldn't talk to me on the way to the hospital, but on the way back home, mm-hmm. he looked over at me, and I can still see that piercing look right today. What are you going to do with two children? The child mm-hmm. you are carrying and the one you have do not belong to your mother or to me. You will have to get a job. It is spelled J-O-B, and I don't mean Job in the Bible, but you fit to suffer like Job. Mm. And number three, you have to figure out a way to finish your education. Mm-hmm. My daughter was born on April the 19th, 1967. I turned 16 years old on June the 2nd, 1967. My dad walked in the door June the 4th of 67 and said, I have a job for you. And that job, Roslyn, was in a poultry processing plant because he said, you will not go on welfare. That system will trap you. Mm-hmm. And I praise God and thank God every day that my yes. that my parents made me live up to my responsibility. There was My mother was yes. very clear. She even though my mother was a housewife, she would not babysit. She said, yeah. you will, if I were not here, you would have to find a babysitter and pay a babysitter. At first, I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. But as I look back and my mother and I were able to talk about this some few years ago, she said, I was only trying to make you responsible. Yeah. And yeah. And, 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 and you know what? All I could do was just hug her and tell her I love her because I didn't understand back then being a 16-year-old with two kids trying to prove to my parents that I could turn my life around. Mm-hmm. But she loved her. They loved their grandchildren, but they yeah. made me a much more responsible person. And I'm afraid uh, when I think about hope, I think about that the the hope that God instilled in me, the fact that I had parents who would let me come back home, the fact that I had people who still believed in me. It wasn't that many now, but there were my parents, my grandparents, and the lady across the street, Miss Lolly Preto, who kept my kids while I worked in this poultry processing plant. 
Well, you know, they, oh. they deserve a big hand clap. Thank that you. Yes, that is a blessing. You know, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to okay. come back and continue to to just have this hope chat with you because I know yes. there are others that are out there on the other end uh, that are that are that are yet and still going through those tough times. Yes. going through those times when they say, "Well, I don't know what I'm. What am I going to do?" Single yes. parents, teenage pregnancy, domestic yes. violence, all these things. And that's why we're here on this hope campaign trail, giving this yes. message of hope that no matter what is going on, there is hope. And as a citizen of hope, let me tell you why it's so important that you join with Mothers in Crisis and become a citizen of hope. Why we're challenging you to become a citizen of hope by supporting Mothers in Crisis hope campaign. Number one, as a citizen of hope, you become a giver of hope. And as you support Mothers in Crisis monthly with a tax-deductible donation of just $19.95, you're able to help us to spread these messages like we've been doing all across the nation. The second thing is citizens of hope receive free hope resources that will help you to spread the message of hope that will help you, first of all, to have hope yourself and then to be able to share it. Citizens of Hope receive free training and hope coaching because we all need hope. And Citizens of Hope become guests on this Think Hope podcast like we have today with our very own Dr. Brenda Jarman as she's sharing such a powerful story of hope. We're going to take a little break and hear one of our surveys that we do uh, from the Mothers in Crisis Hope Surveys, a young lady by the name of Crystal. We, we talked with her on Saturday, and she shared her thoughts about hope. So we'll hear that, and then we'll come back. I am so excited. My name is Rosalind Tompkins, and I am the Hopeologist, and I have with me today Crystal. Crystal Parker. Crystal, <laughs> who has agreed to, have, to share with us her answers for our Mothers in Crisis Hope survey and this is so that we can continue with our hope campaign because we're spreading hope around the world hope is so needed especially now so I'm just going to ask you these four questions and then you just answer them in your own just in your own words okay, okay. all right so uh, number one what is hope um, hope is just being um, optimistic about the future and just kind of keep an open mind and you know just having faith so that's what hope means to me okay okay very good and what brings you hope or makes you hopeful? Um, just knowing that every day I have a chance to make it right, make it, you know, a, a better day from yesterday. So knowing that, um, you know, God's able to give me that um, that chance to wake up and start over, then that gives me hope. Okay, okay, very good. Now, what are some things that zap your hope or make you feel hopeless? Um, as much as I'm a very positive person, I say stress, uh, relationships that go sour, just negative people, um, just, just I think overall having a negative aura around me is just that, that's my hope. Okay, okay, I can understand mm -hmm. that. Now, think about the last time that you felt hopeful. How was it? What do you experience when you are when you feel hope or you are hopeful? 
Um, the last time I can remember being hopeful or the feeling that I have being hopeful, I just know that I was being very optimistic and just knowing that my problems won't be forever it's temporary and that I can get through it no matter what. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so thank much. You. We're going to take a, a, a photo and. We're coming back now with our special guest, Dr. BJ, and we say, Doctor, I, I call, I like to call you Dr. BJ. Whenever you got yes. your PhD, I, I remember I started calling you Dr. BJ. Yes, um, you did, <laughs> and it stuck too. You yes. know, you know what? And I, I, my students uh, would always call, always call me Dr. BJ now, and I, I kind of like that. But I know it originated with you, and I'm so grateful because it is, it, it clicks. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. It has a, it does, it has a ring yeah. to it. So, yes. so let's 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 continue uh, to just share a, a little bit more about. Let's get to that place where where you were talking about how your your family was there for you. You were working uh, in the uh, the chicken factory. Your neighbor yes. was there, and uh, and you were able to turn it around. Come on, let's 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 continue that and wrap that up so everybody can get a full picture of of what happened. Okay, I, I wrapped it up in. Um... After I worked in the poultry processing plant for um, about three years or so, in 1968 and 69, most of my classmates were graduating from high school, and that really embarrassed me because I didn't have a high school education. Because in the 60s, many many of your listeners may or may not know this, you could not go to school and be pregnant. There were no uh, teenage Mm. parenting programs in schools back then. And so I, the job corps program was my stepping stone. I enrolled in Charleston because I I just could not, I just could not pull guts out of chickens for the rest of my life. (laughs) And like I said, I pretty much, (laughs) for a long time, I didn't eat chicken and I'll spare your, your listeners (laughs) what they do to chickens. (laughs) Uh, I grew up in in the country girl. And so, you know, the, the, the only industry in my small town of Shelbyville, Delaware, was um, a poultry processing plant, and so mm-hmm. that 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 that's where my dad got me a job, and I think it was to teach me a direct lesson that you don't want to do this for the rest of your life. But yes. I thank God that my dad made me go to work. I value work. I grew up in yes. a strong work ethic family, and I think that's very 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 important. But mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but I want to just divert just a minute. When I left their dad, I left their dad. Okay. It's very okay. important to, yes. to to interject that even though my parents were coming down hard on me that he needed to pay child support and all that kind of stuff, which he never did, by the way, but mm-hmm. never, never did. Um, wow. When my, he would see them in the street and he might give them $5. And, of course, I wasn't as anointed back then, Pastor Roz, as I <laughs> am now. <laughs> But I always try never to turn my son and daughter against their father because that's all yes. he was their father. And so when yes. I went away to Job Corps, Miss Lolly Preto, this same woman that kept babysitted for me, kept them mm-hmm. while I went to Job Corps. And I'm ever so grateful to her because she said everybody yes. deserves a second chance. And I went to Job Corps determined that I was mm-hmm. not coming back to work in a poultry processing plant. So I took 
uh, uh, GED classes and finished my GED. I mm-hmm. took uh, clerical classes, became a, for secretarial work, because back then, you know, you'd be a secretary, you know, and so yeah. I did that. But while in Job Corps, I met, a, I met a mentor. So this is, you know, mentors give me hope, too, because mm-hmm. Mrs. Norman mm-hmm. was 70 years old when I joined Job Corps, and, you know, she asked us to give a presentation on why we came to Job Corps. And when I finished mine, she looked at me mm-hmm. and said, I picture you being the dean of women at a major university one day. I thought the woman was crazy. Here I was, 18 years old, high school dropout, pregnant parenting teen, because most of the people in my hometown said I would never amount to anything, your life is over, blah, 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 blah. But Mm -hmm. I did not internalize that because, you know, something inside was so strong. And my grandmother used to tell me, both maternal and paternal, you can overcome this. You do yes, not have yes, to stay yes. in this. And because when every, each time I looked at Terry and Lynette, that's my son and daughter, two mm-hmm. innocent human beings who had no say in coming here, mm-hmm. I knew mm-hmm. that I had to make a life for them. Job Corps became my stepping stone, got my GED. Not only did Miss Norman tell me that, her vision mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. she got me uh, enrolled in West Virginia State College so I could take um, upward bound. I'm an upward bounder. I took mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, summer classes there, and Miss Ruth Norman mm-hmm. paid two years of tuition to Delaware Technical and Community College for me. When I got back home, I had a letter from Dell Tech that indicated that this woman had put up money for me to go to because she wanted me to go to college. I could not accept it at the time because I had to get a job to take care of my son and daughter. But mm-hmm. I always let Miss Norman know that I was going to go to college. Wow. Another mentor wow. stepped up to the plate when I graduated valedictorian from the Charleston, West Virginia Job Corps Center in 1970. Mm-hmm. My godmother, Virgie Mufford, who used to be my bus driver, who told me I was pregnant at 14 because, see, you know, when we're doing something we ain't got no business, we ignore the yeah. people that mean the most to us, you know? And so I I quit visiting her, and she caught up with me one day and said, you got to be in trouble doing something because you haven't been down to my house. Because even though I lived in walking distance from the school, she would let me get on the school bus and just ride with her while she took the other kids home. And Mm -hmm. when I broke down and told her I was pregnant at 14 in the ninth grade, she walked me down to my parents' home to help me tell my parents. Wow. Because I was scared to death to tell them. It you know it sounds to me as you've been and you and you've been naming off so many different players in yes. your life that really made a difference. That is what we're talking about when we're talking about being hope givers. That, yes. that you were a young lady that needed hope, and it yes. is like God allowed these various ones, and they yes. had to be obedient. I mean, it wasn't like it was their job or they had to, but it was something, like you said, from inside that let yes. them know that they could make a difference in your life. And that is yes. the message of hope that we are bringing forth, that you don't have to be, you know, some degree person. You don't have That's to be right. a, a social worker or, or any or minister. All you have to be is someone who cares, who who will who will take the time to share hope, to have these hope chats, and then yes. allow 
people to know that you care and that you'll be there with them. I believe that's how we're going to turn this suicide rate uh, back around and, and bring it down to zero. Wouldn't you agree with me, Dr. BJ? I would certainly agree with you because as I look back over my life and I think about, you know, when I think about the mentors, the, the, the people who have been there for me, you're so right. These weren't people who had even graduated from high school. These were mm. people who 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 just loved the Lord and believed, mm-hmm. helped me believe in myself. And they gave and they gave and they gave and they poured into me their vision of me. And yes. so, and then in my hometown, you know, I always, you've heard me say this a zillion times probably. I tell people, don't get excited because I have a PhD. All a PhD taught me how to do was research. Those <laughs> things that gave me hope and taught me how about life, those people who mm-hmm. taught me this, my grandfather had a third grade education, but was a very smart man. My parents yes. didn't graduate from high school, but they instilled education in us. Miss Virgin yes. Mumford was my bus driver. And, you know, and so it, they, all those people taught me how to say, yes, ma'am, thank you, please, how to get along mm-hmm. with people. That helped yes. develop your hope, too, because, you know, that That's old true. saying, you can catch more flies with honey than vinegar. I learned that at a very early age, and so that helped propel me to everything that I am now. And so when I went to Job Corps, sure, I wanted Mm -hmm. to leave Job Corps. Who wouldn't? I mean, I grew up in the country on a farm, and I plopped down into Charleston, West Virginia at the old Kanawha Hotel, and I'm Mm -hmm. looking at like, oh, my God, what have I done? But all I could think about, if I go back, what am I going back to? I'll let my son and daughter down. I'll let my parents down. So many, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. those folks were believing that I could do this. And so yes. I had to do it. And I have no regrets. None. That's powerful. That is so powerful. None. That is so powerful. And thank you. Thank you so much for just being so transparent and and just just willing. That's one of the things that I felt like we've always been kindred spirits that way. Spirits that you about, don't yes, mind we, sharing your Story. They call it story, testimony, or uh, just talk yes. about what you've actually gone through. So we're yes. going to switch gears a little bit now, and okay. uh, I just want to uh, to just do this hope survey with you yes. and to, yes. to, to hear your answers to these uh, four questions that we're going all around the, the nation. And uh, as you heard, a little clip from Crystal that we met. We've been meeting some phenomenal people out there on this uh, whole yes. campaign trail. So so let me just start off by asking you the first question, and that is, what is hope in your own words and thoughts? Okay. I took the word hope and uh, made an acronym out of it. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. So the H in okay. hope for me, the H in hope for me means honoring God. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that gives me hope. Honoring his holiness and all that he stands for. That's hope. The O means the opportunity to serve and be a servant leader for our God. Mm. That gives me hope, being a servant leader for the Lord. And P in hope means perseverance, prayer, patience. And you know what? When you persevere. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we know that prayer changes things, but you've yes. got to be patient and wait on the Lord because he never closes 
a door where he won't open a better one. That's what I believe. Yes, yes, yes. And the E in hope means that you have to be engaging, you have to be empowering, you have to be enlightening, and you have to practice evangelism for our Lord. Wow. I love that. And the that. other piece, oh, and the O was obedient. You got to be obedient to his word. Yes, yes. That's what that hope means wonderful. to me. Yes. yes. That, that that is so rich. That is so rich. So you you definitely need to uh you know just go ahead and share that. Uh you can send it to me and I'll make it available. I'll send it to you. Yes. Okay. I wrote okay, it down so I wouldn't forget and I I will I will share it with you. I'll email it to you. Okay? Okay. Okay, and I'll all make right. it available to all of our uh all of our citizens of hope and all of those that are uh part of this hope campaign. That okay, would be so- wonderful. I'd be honored. Okay, well, let's, uh, number two there is what brings you hope or makes you hopeful? Well, when I look at my son and daughter, Mm. that brings me a lot of hope. When I look at their children and how they're raising their children, when I thought they weren't listening, Ross, when I wanted to kill them sometimes. (laughs) 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 Thank God for hope, you know what I mean? My daughter is... uh, 51 years old, and she's a retired Army uh, veteran and working her second retirement and working on her master's degree in human resource development. She's married and has one child. My son is not married now, but he has five children, and they're all beautiful children. And he's he's an entrepreneur living in Maryland. My daughter lives in Kentucky. That brings me hope. And I and these grandchildren, you know, I had one grandchild for 13 years, and she's in the Navy, mm-hmm. following in in her mother's footsteps wow. and working on her degrees, IKEA. And yes. my son has uh, three three daughters and two sons, and his oldest child is 17, and he's 52. So you know, I, I got these teenagers now. Yeah. But boy, do <laughs> yes. we have fun when we hang out. <laughs> so that gives me hope. Yes. Wow. And yes, and and family. You know, and, 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 and being a servant leader gives me hope and, 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 and my discipleship, being a disciple for the Lord, that is mm-hmm. that, that what that, that that makes me hopeful. Yes, yes. Yeah. Powerful, powerful. Now yeah. what are some things that zap your hope or make you feel less hope or hopeless? You know, sometimes Satan can get on your last nerve. The Lord has some powerful work for me to do. I feel that in my spirit. But, you know, I had an illness in 2013, a surgery that I thought I was on the operating table for seven and a half hours. I'm told just a few weeks ago that, no, it was 11 hours that I was on the operating Mm. table. Uh, And in 2007 and 2015, two car accidents, rear ends, uh, Mm. the loss of my parents, I had a lot going on. My father died in 2010, my mother in 2016, and my son had a serious drinking problem. But don't you know, God has wiped all of that. I'm still here. Got a healthy report from the doctor today. My son hasn't Uh, taken a drink in almost a year. Uh, So I'm telling you, (laughs) it was a lot of stress behind that stuff and and, and a lot of negativity coming at me because Satan, I believe, was trying to jump on me and my kids because when he can't get to you, he'll move to your Mm -hmm. family members, I believe. And so God wiped all of that out, and we're all fine right now, and I thank God every day. 
Awesome, awesome. That is yes. awesome. So don't despair out there. Don't despair. God will deliver. He may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. Right on time. Right on All time. All right. Now okay. think about the last time that you felt hopeful. How was it or or how is it now if you are hopeful? What did you experience <laughs> when you are hopeful? As Shirley Caesar says, this joy I have. <laughs> The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it. So I experienced joy, a sense of joy and peace, a sense of healing from the deliverance from my son. You know, my healthy grandchildren, my for the most part, my healthy family. You know, um, the fact that the good Lord, you know, has allowed me to uh, to 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 put in writing uh, my life story so that I can motivate, inspire, and empower others. And that we'll get that published real soon. And, you know, yes. my weekly phone calls from my daughter who calls me every week just to say, Mom, I love you. Oh, I mean, that's, that is, that's and, yeah. and, and my son-in-law, my son-in-law, I've got one of the greatest son-in-laws in the world. And, <laughs> and, and now my son is calling me almost every week saying the same thing. So that's I'm covered yes. in the blood yes. and yes. hopeful all the time. Positive attitude. Yes. And All that the makes time. such a such a difference, such a big difference. Such a difference, well, Pastor Roz. Dr. BJ, I tell you, I certainly enjoy every time that we can come together and I wanna yes. say thank you once again for being a citizen of Hope Universe and helping us to uh spread this hope around the world and being a giver of hope. And thank you. um You're for welcome. those of you so who welcome. are Yes, and those of you who are listening and you say, well, you know, you all been talking about this hope citizenship and being a hope citizen and you'd like to become a hope citizen or find out more information, just go to makeahopeconnection.com and on the right hand, uh, up top of the right hand of any of the page that you may click on, there's a menu. Right under the menu, it says how to become a hope universe citizen and you just click on that and you'll be led into how you can be a hope universe citizen and just in a way of announcements uh we're going to take a break this summer this will be our last live uh interview this summer but we will be promoting the podcast for all of the other uh powerful hope universe citizens and we will be coming back in the fall with some more uh, Hope Universe citizens as well as more of your Think Hope podcast as we are teaching people and empowering people how to think hope. So before we end, uh, Dr. BJ, I want you just to take, just take maybe one minute and talk to that person that's listening to this podcast that is going through that place of despair that you know all so well. Just talk to them. To the listeners out there, never give up. Never give up on God and don't give up on yourself. One of my favorite quotes by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the staircase. We don't know what's over the horizon. We don't know what's coming. But I know, and I'm a living witness, of what God can do. So 
I would say strengthen your faith and belief in God. Always have hope and never, ever give up on anything. God has already equipped you. He's already opened the door. The reason we don't go through the doors is because of this thing called fear. We just tell fear just like you tell Satan, get thee behind me. I'm moving ahead because I'm trusting God. And as long as you're under his covering and his will. Yes. Yes. You'll be all right. So trust God. Man can't do it for you. Woman can't do it for you. Mama can't do it. Your daddy can't do it. But you can do it because God's already made you in his image. So step out on faith. Yes. Step out on faith. Step out on faith. The faith of a mustard seed. Yes, and it only takes a little, and God will That's do right. the rest. Yes. So on that note, we're going to wrap up tonight. We want to thank God for all of you who have been with us tonight on this Think Hope podcast, and for those that will be listening in the future, just remember that as long as there's breath in your body, there's still hope. Think hope and and be listening out as we come back again in the fall for our Think Hope Podcast. Go to www.think-hope.com. Remember, as long as there's breath in your body, there is hope.